Great DJs deserve great music. That's why here at Desi BPM, we're giving professional DJs access to the first ever online DJ pool exclusively for Desi Music. Register your interest now and receive your first three months free at desibpm.com. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the show, it's the number one show, interviews and music, podcast you know, integrate the culture through the times, just sit back and chill, it's the roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, just sit back and chill, it's the roots and rhymes, all you really need is some roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes. So welcome once again to the Roots and Rhymes podcast and as I say always for a change I'm with my brother Mac. How you doing? Doing well Chance, how you doing there? I'm good man, I'm really good. Before we get onto it Mac, we always got to remind the listeners, don't forget to subscribe on all your usual podcasting yeah. platforms, uh, streaming platforms as well, including YouTube and don't forget to hit us up on the socials. Twitter, we Instagram, are everywhere right Instagram. now, Chance. We're like on we are, all man. the platforms. We're trying to be everywhere. That's the thing. We're trying to get ourselves out there. Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Instagram, Apple. YouTube, SoundCloud. Like wherever. We're, yeah, SoundCloud. Yeah, wherever, whatever you prefer, we're there. I'm sure we're there. Absolutely, absolutely. And if we're not, just let us know, and we'll try and get ourselves on it. That's the that's the whole point of this, Matt. We want to try and get a widespread. We want to try and get on all the platforms. We are predominantly, obviously, audio. The key to this podcast is the the audio experience. So mm-hmm. we do try and promote the the audio podcast with Spotify and Apple, etc. first, because that's where you get the best experience. But we obviously know there's a part of the market that want the YouTube. And unfortunately, you can't get the full experience on YouTube because of copyright. Yeah. So we've got to be careful of that all the time. But we've got a cracking show today. Oh, man. Right, we've got we've got a giant, another giant in the industry. Giant, and, absolute giant, huge name big influence i mean super talented guy this is like you know we're, we're blessed to interview the people that we are interv- that we have interviewed and today's no different i've been looking forward to this one you know as someone who i know we both respect very highly for what he's done i'm really looking forward to it same same so today's guest has a career which spanned almost 35 years he's produced some of the culture's best dance floor hits as well as taking them worldwide He's taken to some of the most famous stages such as Glastonbury and Reading Festival with just a one-stringed instrument. He truly is and has been dubbed the Jimi Hendrix of the Thumbi. It's Big Do. How you doing, bro? Good, good, good. good. Yeah, thank you so much. What an intro, man. I almost started, <laughs> made me think, who are you actually talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's being humble at his finest. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're too kind. You are too kind. No, no, no. It's well-deserved. It's absolutely true as yeah. well. It's great to have you on the show. I know it's been a few weeks. Our diaries have been rescheduling. Can we yeah, move it? Yeah. Can we do this? But I'm glad we could actually do it today. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much for having me on um, Roots and Rhymes. I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah. Uh, it should be interesting. Thank you so much. Wicked. No, thank no, you. It's all good. Pleasure's all ours, really. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? You've been a busy guy over the last, uh, well, let's say five months through lockdown. 35 years. I thought you were going to say, Chunt. He's been busy for the last 35 <laughs> years. He has been a busy guy for 35 years. <laughs> You need to take a rest, bro. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, just the last five months, I mean, you've been taking to TikTok, to Insta, your your social media output's been absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, that was the only way of actually staying connected with, with our audience. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've just been working on that. Obviously, everyone knows, you know, all the shows had been cancelled, so 
all yeah. our wedding season has been cancelled this mm. year. Mm. You know, normally we would be posting things of, you know, the production stuff that we do behind the scenes or, mm. you know, clients coming into the studio and things like that, making music, or we'll be on stage. We would normally post a lot of that sort of stuff. But because none of that is happening, you know, we thought let's um, get onto this, uh, you know, go a bit more harder onto the social sort of uh, scene. And it sort of yeah, worked out, especially the It's just been crazy, hasn't it? How, how, as industry professional, like you say, that it's predominantly live, isn't it? And obviously we can't take to the stage. But yourself so busy. The music industry is basically, sorry, the wedding industry has been non-existent this year. I mean, you've got to get creative, man. You've got to, you've got to look in, and go in different directions. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right there, 100%. You know, and, um, you know, we sort of took it for granted. I never, ever thought that this would happen. Mm. You know I mean, that it could be taken away from you in a split second. So it was a bit of a shock. And, you know, especially for self-employed musicians like us, you know, that rely on our sort of, you know, for our, on our gigs or on our studio work, because that's all we do. You know, it is, it, you know, it is a struggle. But, you know, you know, thank God that, you know, we're, we're, we're all right. But I don't know about you, but I, I, I find it so difficult to keep up with the social media content as well, because it is it's so important. But yeah, it's so difficult to keep up. with. You know it. what it is? The, the, you're absolutely right there because, you know, what everybody's on it. So, you know, before when, you know, so artists would use it because we've got something that we want to sort of present to people or we want to we're using it as a tool. Right. Mm-hmm. But now yeah. it's not about that. It's like if you can fart sideways or something like that. Anything, you know, if you do a head spin or, you know, walking, you just, walking you your dog or whatever. He must have seen my profile there. Oh, is <laughs> you know what? Now everybody's so nosy and they just want to see what the other person's yeah. doing. So, you know, you can post anything on there and it just goes viral. You know, things are going viral, you know, day in, day out. And, uh, you know, I was struggling with TikTok, right? Beforehand, I actually deleted the app. I, yeah. I went on it. I tried to post a couple of things. It wasn't really working. I thought, you know what? This is a waste of time. Mm. And it was massive in India and everything. And I sort of deleted the app. When the uh, lockdown happened, I thought, all right, okay, I need to sort of get back on, you know, everybody's talking about this TikTok thing. Yeah. So I downloaded the app again. And uh, sort of started posting, you know, uh, videos and things like that. It just blew up for me. Like, you know, I got I had like hundreds and thousands of uh, hits on my uh, TikTok yeah, yeah, yeah. account, uh, you know, with videos going up to seven, eight hundred thousand views and all, you know, close to a million views just on TikTok. And then obviously, you know, India banned TikTok. So that was a yeah, bit yeah. of a... It slowed it down a little bit. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just joined the party, mate. I got, you know, joined the party late. And they really turned it off. And that was, that was the most viewership was coming from there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, uh, you know, then it's, we've got it's to... crazy, man. Like you say, you're right that obviously artists and musicians stuff, they use social media Bella, as a tool mm. to, to present what you had and to kind of like say, okay, I've got a single out or I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But whereas now, like the, what guests are saying to us is that we need to be on social media to be relevant. You've got to be relevant. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to get forgotten about through lockdown. Oh, you're going to be, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not only one, like, obviously look, for example, the stuff that I put out on TikTok, not all of it I can put out on Instagram. And yeah. the stuff I put on Instagram, I can't always put up on yeah, TikTok. Yeah, yeah, and then the yeah. Snapchats, they're different. And then yeah, the yeah, Facebook, yeah. that's different. So that's why it's a bunga. you got to create four types of media. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then the Twitter, you know, you the feeds that you want to put on there. So everything's so different. You can't just use one universal clip that you've made in the day and you put it on everywhere. You can't do that. You've got to sort of think what audience is going to, which way it's going to be directed to. Absolutely. That's why I find it so difficult, man. Like for us, it's Instagram TV, YouTube. Then we've got the audio for the podcast. You think, okay, we're we're making one recording with you now, but we've we've got to make it relevant on four or five different platforms and all different as well. 
Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. The social media is crazy. I mean, it's good in a way because we are connected. We are so more advanced now. Mm. Even the kids, you know, like we wouldn't know about so many things I was thinking about. Like I was just driving down the road with my little one and he goes, oh, that's, you know, that's this car, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, what? How does he even know about this car? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know about that, you know, cars like that at that age. Yeah, but it's yeah. all, all these social medias, you know, they're looking it up on YouTube and things like that. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, kids are so advanced. You know, people are so advanced now. You know, it's too too easy. My little, like, nieces and, and nephews and stuff, they're, like, watching unboxing videos. I'm like, how is this even a thing? Watching some other kid open his toys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's just crazy. It's crazy, man. Uh, social media has totally taken over. And, you know, people don't even watch TV. The kids don't even want to watch TV anymore. They don't want to watch those CITVs or whatever they no, used to no, watch. No, no, no. Yeah. They want to be on YouTube. They want to, what you call it. They, and then they, they want to actually be uh, bloggers and this, that. Mm, you absolutely. know, they want to sort of have some kind of involvement in this thing. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's an it's addictive, you know, there's, good, there's pros and cons to yeah. it. But, you know, it's part of our life now. What can we do? It's the way the world's working now, isn't it? So what can you do? Rewind. Let's take it back. So born in the 70s in in Southall and growing up through the influential 80s Punjabi folk and singing era, it was was a massive part of your life, the Punjabi music, and truly within your family as well, I believe. So what was your first introduction to, to Punjabi music or music itself? From a young age, like, you know, we sort of lived in like a joint sort of family with Mataya and Aslo, we all used to live together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mataya was a, a big fan of folk music. Mm-hmm. So he always had vinyls. You know, he used to have yes. Mama Sadiq, uh, Kuldeep Manak, you know, uh, Jammon yeah. Kaur, Sarindar Kaur. You know, all the these vinyls. And I grew up listening to these in the background. So we yeah. never had part in the morning or anything like that. I used to hear this vinyl going off in the morning. <laughs> nice. I heard a lot <laughs> yeah, of this. Some crackles. Of the yeah, yeah, yeah. That. That's it. And, um, it was a, and it was weird because I sort of really sort of became familiar to this type of music, right? And, um, you know, growing up was a bit, it was a bit, a bit funny because obviously all my friends at school, they never even heard of this type of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they used to, so they used to be talking about the latest Michael Jackson song or yeah. UB40, whatever was out at that time. You know, they would be talking about that, that this is happening, blah, 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 blah. And they would be talking, and I couldn't relate to it. Mm. Yeah. And when I used to think, oh yeah, did you, I heard this song, you know, they'd think, bruv, you're, you're a freshie, bruv. You need to go back to the pentagon. Bruv, you're so fresh. Like, were you born here? Were you born in England? They used to say that to me. I think, you know what? I'd never, oh, it was such a confusing sort of time. You know, when I'm like, now I'm doing these old hip hop instrumentals and I'm sort of yeah. playing the thumbi yeah. over them, right? I'm doing, yeah, yeah, and they're, yeah. they're sort of, people are really appreciating them. They mm. think that this is something new I'm doing, mm. like now. Mm. This was where I actually started off, right? Absolutely. Because at that time, there was no Tolki or Tol instrumentals. Mm. Mm. And I didn't know anybody that used to, you know, could play these kind of instruments. So mm. I, and all my friends around me, they used to be listening to this kind of music and all the DJs and all that. So I used to get these instrumentals of them, record them on a, on a little cassette. I used to bring yeah. them home and I used to play to them. So that's why when I hear these songs, I can, in my mind, there's Tumbi riffs going off and I'm thinking of all kind of songs that can match. You could just hear the Tumbi that you're matching Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm just bringing those, you know, now I've just been like plugging those uh, things that I've been doing all my life from like how I started off. And that is how I used to play, practice my Tumbi. I used to practice it on hip hop beats. I used to practice on these kind of songs. 
I just want to work out the scale mm. of that song and the key of that song and work out what song would fit that. It's yeah. so before its time, isn't it? I mean, like you're talking about doing it back, back, back in the day. Plus, I can't believe when Chun said born in the 70s, bro, you don't look a day over 30, first of all. The second, oh, second, cheers, thing, second thing is that, like I say, is it's way beyond its time that because people are still figuring out how <laughs> to do this whole fusion-y kind of sound today. But that was something Absolutely. how you practice that's something that you practiced and you kind of pioneered yeah. in a way. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so that was the only way I should sort of get a chance to actually jam to something and actually, you know, try to play to a, a song to, you know, tighten my rhythm, tighten my try to work out what scale it was, you know, sung in. And it was so hard because obviously English singing is in a different sort of scale. Yeah. So it it was, you know, it was hard and trying to adapt this instrument. And the thing is, when I was playing this instrument, people never even knew what Tumbi mm. was. They I was did just going to say, right, this is, this is crazy that obviously you're a Thumbi prodigy and one of the very few people in the country that can play at the level that you play. But th- that started as early as you as like seven years old when you were learning that and, and, and singing as well. So like you say, the, the melodies and the, and the keys and the way that Punjabi folk music is sung is completely different to, to English songs and that kind of thing. So I just find it really crazy that at the tender age of seven you were picking up a thumbie and yes you were kind of making it relevant by playing it over hip-hop beats that your friends had given and that kind of stuff and on tape but that you were mastering this old folk instrument that nobody ever thinks of picking up and learning mm. like the first thing that you would tend to go to as a young kid is a talkie or a doll you know it's always the percussion that tends to drive people in but for yourself it was completely different what do you think sparked that and what made you pick up the thumbie so i'll tell you i'll tell you um this instrument, so I heard it obviously in, in the folk songs as I was really young. Yeah. Never knew what it was. I thought it was just, you know, just a music piece, whatever. Never ever even yeah. thought about it. Hmm. My uncle, who also is a singer, these are my dad's cousin brothers, right? They, are, they were old time singers from Punjab as well. Hmm. And um, one guy, he's over here uh, in the UK. And my other uncle, he's in Finland. They were, hmm. they were really into it. And my dad's mama... Right. So my dad's uncle, my dad's mum's brother, he was, he actually learned the Tumbi from Jamala Jatiji, oh, from wow. Ustad Jamala Jat. When yeah, yeah, Ustad wow. Jamala Jat came in the partition, they came to Punjab mm-hmm. and he started his, this whole thing started of his, you know, his singing and people started picking up that. Obviously they were from Pakistan at that time, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they had come to Punjab and uh, then my, my dad's mama, he used to write with Dev Trikyanwala. So okay. Dev Trikyanwala okay. and my dad's mama, they used to, they were both teaching in the same college and they were, they were like, you know, and they were lyricists as well. Mm. Right. And so they should write together. They used to write songs together and all that. And, um, they three can while obviously then later on the three can while I was doing his own thing. And my dad's mama was, he was in from Jagran, So he wasn't in Ludhiana. And then he mm. discovered this instrument, the Tumbi, and he started learning from Jamalajat. He started okay. sort of uh, learning from him. And then from there, my dad's cousin brothers, they started playing it and they started singing with it because that was a key instrument. Mm. So now from them is when I saw it first when I was like seven, eight years old. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. it. I, like, in a, like we were in a, uh, there was a little party going in a, in a house and, you know, he came and like he pulled his tumbi out and just with the tumbi, he sang a few songs and everybody's attention was on him and I was yeah, mesmerized. Yeah, yeah. I thought, wow, yeah. what the hell is this? What, that is that sound yeah. I've been hearing in those vinyls. Absolutely. Right? And then I would just, at first I made it, you know, I tried to make a thumbi out of a rubber band on a stick and things like that. Yeah. And then um, my older sister, she got me a, a thumbi for my birthday around that oh, age. Wow. Yeah. And from then I started practicing and then obviously went to my dad's mamaji, who at that time was living in America now. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to visit him and then he sort of taught me how to sort of, you know, 
play it correctly. You know, he started, yeah. you know, and he sort of guided me in that sort of sense and told me the history about it, how it's made, this and that. And then obviously later on, then I went to Punjab. I probably was, I was a bit older than I was 17, 18, where I picked up the, obviously the other type of thumbi that I play, the Suramani yeah, thumbi, yeah, 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 Ostaji yeah. that I learned from who actually created it. He's the one who actually created that wow. thumbi. And uh, obviously then I became his student. And it, that was a really hard sort of time as well, because, you know, the way they teach in India and the way they're used to teaching, especially the old school of Slavs, it was really difficult for me to adapt to that. And you know, that sort of time, you know, when you're 17, 18 or 16, 17, I was, I can't even remember yeah, that. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you're sort of going through that age where, you know, you don't want to listen to anybody and yeah, you would want to like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And you're growing up and everybody's a bad man and that's the end yeah, thing yeah. to do. <laughs> and, you know, you also walk around and, you know, I had my chains on my, you know, and I walked yeah, into yeah. my start and he went, can you go home, bro? He goes, go and take your this decorations you're on. You know, he goes, go and take all of that off and then come back when you're ready to learn. So for Sometimes weeks, you need he kept- that though, man, that grounds you. Sure. It does. It does. And that sort of, you know, he sort of slapped me and put me back in my place, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so that sort of time, you know, that was a sort of key sort of, you know, time. And then obviously I, I started mastering that instrument, the, the next level of the thumbi. But that, I, I think the thumbi, I think it unfairly gets overlooked. It, it gets so overly simplified by people that it's just a single stringed in- instrument really. But who knew that there is different types and different levels to this that obviously this passion allowed you to explore basically. But, but before that, I, obviously you spoke about when you were 16, 17, you went over to India and stuff, but as a team before that, you joined the famous and probably most successful Brongara team in the country, the great Indian dancers, where you played Thumbi and you did Bulnia for them. And you played doll with, uh, alongside Govi, um, or Govi played the doll and you was doing Bulnia alongside him. And you, you went on tour with them when you were just what, 13, 14 years old. And went around the world. So this must have given you an exposure mm. to what could be f- with this. You obviously it was playing Thumbi a little bit here and there. Obviously you mastered it later on, but did that, did that give you a good preview and exposure to it and wanted you to pursue it further down the line? You know, when I first joined the great in dancers, they were going to go on tour to Greece mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they, they, you know, and I just joined them and, they, you know, they sort of saw how I was playing. And before that, I only used to play with DJs and a, like a tour player. So there's yeah, a yeah, couple of yeah, few yeah. tour players, especially this guy called Harvey, he used to take me out. They were old school tour players and, yeah, yeah. you know, and they should t- like to pick me up from my house. And they should like first convince my mum that, listen, we'll bring him back before this time. And yeah. like, my mum was always worried that, you know, and I'll say, you know, they said, look, we won't, you know, no one's drinking and we'll take care of it and all that, even though they used to get plastered <laughs> when they used to get to the gig. Right. But <laughs> I never used to drink. I was, thing, yeah. I was, I was too young. So I, I wasn't drinking yeah. at that time. So they should take me there. And we, and, I, and at that time we used to only play to the, um, you know, like the rumors. Yeah. 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 Gregory yeah. Isaacs. Man, that's it. And it used to go jing And I used to just play the tumbi in the in the mic. So that was the only sort of main sort of rhythm I used to play with them at that sort of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I joined the Great in Dancers, right? So I, I was with them for a couple of weeks, around 14, 15, 15 years old when I was there. And then they said, okay, we're gonna go on tour. And soon I mean, first of all, when I got there, I saw so many tour players, you know, when I was sort of before that, you know, at 13, 14, I saw you know, quite a few of the local tour players. And then I met Gavi and people like that. And Harbinder Singh uh, Gatora, who was the, uh, Bindabaji, who we, you know, was a leader of the group. Yeah. And they started playing all these different rhythms, like Jumur and Leria and Tamal and all that. Mate, in the first five seconds, they just wiped me and threw me on the side. They said, bruv, 
What is this? <laughs> I could not believe, I could not keep up with them. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was so baffled that, bloody yo, what is this? Yeah. Like, there's so many different rhythms. I didn't yeah, even know yeah, there exactly. was so many. You know, then I started learning about folk rhythms, about folk music, even more in depth. Yeah. And I'm telling you what, the, the stuff that the great Indian dancers taught me, I could never learn from anywhere. Mm. What they taught me was that they only didn't teach me folk rhythms, folk singing. They taught me folklore about yes. Hiranja, Sassibanu, Soni Meival, Malki, Kima, Shiri Fariyad. You know, yeah. these stories that everybody has forgotten. Even people, when I go to people in India, and I say, oh, chaan, gaane, which unna ne zikr kita, uh, Shiri Fariyad. They go, Shiri Fariyad, kona? I go, yaar, Hiranja, Soni Meival, Laila Majnu. Yeah, yeah, you know, unna ne vich on there, Shiri Fariyad. I've never heard of that. Oh, they've never heard of loads of things that I know of because I had like a good like 10 to 15, you know, dancers that were much older. They were my dad's age. Yeah, and they were, and, yeah. But they were culturally, because they followed yeah. the culture so deeply. I was just taking wow. information. Of, I was like a sponge. That's amazing. Obviously, like, like I told you, my cousins were a part of the great Indian dancers as well. They, what they told me that that was probably the last of the great Indian dancers, basically, like... Now, nowadays, Bhangra dancing is a, a massive culture, right? And there's some great teams out there and stuff, but that's all they are. They're teams. They don't tell the stories. This was the this point. Is, this, is... this dancing, it, it, they were telling stories. Like all the moves came from move, movements within the kit and the Absolutely. and exactly. they're telling stories. They don't and do that anymore. That's, I think that's culture's lost. Exactly, Chaz. That's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. When, when I, the, so if they said that, okay, sing this boldly, uh, and it was to do with Ranja Uchiya Vaza Marda, you know, Uddi Pagwe Shaki Hinna Teri, Lokapane Mori Uddiya, and it was things like that. It was connected to the, a certain story, or when they used to sing Utafarida Utea and all that. So they, and I was singing them, and they said, No, 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 you're not getting the story, mate. And I said, What do you mean? They're you're not picturing the story because we're, we're, we're in there, we're in the zone, yeah, and you're yeah, singing yeah, yeah, yeah. it, and we can feel it that you're not understanding what you're singing. And that's when they started telling me the stories behind every single bully. They said, that this is the story. This is what we're trying to do on the thing. So we want to hear that coming from There's your voice. levels, isn't it? That's you know? serious. And then, next, next level. Yeah, yeah the serious levels. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't just, oh yeah, you can yeah. sing in key and you yeah. can sing it. No, you got to feel it. Yeah, because when we're sort of, at this point, when we're lifting this thing up, we want that because when yeah, yeah, Kima yeah. sees Malki, he, he fell in love. So yes. she was on the cool. That's the first time. That yeah. Story, yes. wow. Yeah. So we want to yeah. hear that. So when you, we hear it from you, we'll be able to act it when we're dancing. Yes. That yes. was a, the depth. That we, but these guys like Bindabaji and all that, they were taught from big, big stars from India. Yeah, yeah. You know, from, from Bindabaji actually left uh, his, you know, family and everything behind at one point when he was in England and he went back to India to learn the toll. You know, who would mm. do that these days, you know, yeah, to, absolutely, and to, absolutely. to promote the toll in England. And they played in the Commonwealth Games and all sorts, yeah, you know. They did, they did so they, much, man. History like, is so deep. Later on, they did the Generation Game, yeah. crazy things mm. like that. And they were, yeah. they were in... Uh, BBC, in, uh, Pebble Mill the, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Amitabh Bachchan movie, what was it? Um, oh, Apne Banati Jodi. Crazy. And you know, and the other thing was that, you know... Um, you know, I, which way I was lucky because my Thaya was in the same group as well in the Great Indian Dancers. So when the Great Indian Dancers started back in the day, he was one of the dancers as well with them because he was, he was quite culturally like, you know, he used to enjoy that sort of stuff. So they knew what kind of family I've come from. So they, it was, it was a good, good journey for me. I mean, that was a, amazing, amazing. And th you know what? I toured the world with them. 
I went yeah. Greece, I went Brazil, I went Mexico. Yeah. You know, we went all over the world, you know, touring in big music festivals, uh, music Amazing. dance festivals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kind of uh, uh, the environment, the atmosphere that was there, you know, that used to really ground me because, you know, I swear to God, you know, at that time, there was gang warfare going on in Southall. That, that's yeah, where yeah, I was yeah. born. All the smokes, all them boys. All that. Crazy. There was, yeah, there, yeah, I swear to God, there, and the road I used to live on, there used to be stabbings there every other day. And everybody was on edge. And I used to, and these guys used to take me out and put me in this environment. And when we used to go out to like world music festivals, you know, I, you know, we would think, oh yeah, I'm a bad man, this and that. You know, you don't, people are looking at you and all this. And you know, people, the men used to just come up and hug you. Hello, you, you know, what's happening? You're from other cultures. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you realize, hold on, man, what? Don't think I'm all that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the women used to come, and you know, and they were so warm. They yeah, were so, yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody was such in a positive vibe. They were it, it, within music and in this dance culture and everything. And people from different countries were, we used to meet up. And they were mm. so friendly. And we just, and I just really, that, and I think. Like you say, in them 15, 16, 17 years old, they're very, it's a very influential time in your life and you're very malleable as well. Like, like you said, if you were hanging about on Broadway and stuff like that, you could have turned into a completely And you must have person. seen so many stories been, of people my- going in the wrong direction who have sort of talent. Absolutely. You know, they're not in the right yeah. crowd. A lot of my friends, they, you know, a lot of from my friends that, you know, that had been mm. stabbed, died. There's, my yeah, friends have yeah, been yeah, in yeah, prison, yeah. you know, and so there was a lot going on. And that was at a very young age, you know, even at school, when I was at school and I, you know, there's a funny story I'll tell you about, about this. I was, you know, from a very young age, because I was like interested in music. Hmm. When like in middle school, what would they call it now? What do they call middle oh, school now? Sex, like, it's just primary this is before high, high school, school now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah school, they call it high school, school now. Yeah. I think, I think it starts from that no, age. High school was a different story. So this is before high school. So what is that? School. Primary? Secondary, secondary school. Yeah, yeah. But now they so just they call inter- it high school. I don't know. Yeah, the system. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. So in primary to secondary school, like in the three, four years, they had, you know, they had a uh, tabla teacher come in. Right. Mm. So we were very young and um, I, I wasn't, I'm not going to lie. You know, I was one of the most misbehaved sort of kids in the whole school. Like, you know, yeah, as yeah, we yeah. all, you know, it's mischievous in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, none of the teachers liked me anything. But you know what? I really want to learn the tabla. So I used to go to this teach. Uh, so they said, all right, who wants to learn that? Like, you have to put your name down, blah, blah, blah. They put my name. They go, no, no, no. You're not going to even go for the trials. I said, mate, come on. So the whole year went past, right? I didn't get the chance to even go for the trials. So the next year again, I tried it again. I said, look, I want to go. I want to learn the tabla. They said, no, no, no. You're too naughty, mate. You ain't going there. Right. So the guy that was sitting next to me, luckily the year on the next year, mm. he got selected and he was learning the tabla. Right. So he used to go in for half an hour. He should learn the tabla in the, in the library bit. He should come back. When he used to come back, I should say to him, bro, t- teach me now what you learn. And he used to be okay. saying, I learned this. Da, 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 And I used to be practicing with him on the, on the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So I, okay, I was learning of this guy. Right. I was learning the tabla of this guy. Then obviously they, they just never let me. They said, no, 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 you are not going, you, you know, you to this thing. We're going to let. Other kids that are, you know, in better behave to give them a chance to learn the tabla. Right. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, that yeah, done. Yeah. Three, four years that went past. Then I went to high school. Right. So the high school I went to, there was only like three, four Indians there. So luckily they had a tabla teacher come in. I got a chance. Right. Because there's only yeah, two, three yeah. of us anyway. Yeah. So the first year they came in, they had all the, they had the tabla in there. I was like, wow, I got my chance. Brilliant. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, we started yeah, learning yeah. the tabla. And uh, the, obviously the teacher thought, how do you know, you know, you know all the balls and now you just need to, you've never practiced on a tabla though. I said, I know the balls because I've never had a tabla. I've never seen it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Now I've actually, you put it in front of me. Let's, you know, let's go. Yeah, yeah. But look at this, right? How 
what my luck was like. After the first like year, like the, something happened and the teacher just disappeared. Right. So there was no tabla teacher anymore. So I used to now what happened now. So for the next three years, so you get four years in high school, right? So the first year he taught yeah. me a little bit. After that, they give it, he's not coming back. And I was like, well, guys. So I started learning the guitar. I started learning the drum kit from the other teachers, the Western yeah, teachers, yeah, right? Yeah. So I was playing the, I was, uh, in concert, I started playing the bass guitar, the guitar, I used to do um, the classical guitar. I started learning the drum kit. I started doing all of that. But then on lunch times, when everybody used to go to lunch, I used to get my, um, you know, you used to have a card, you know, your ID sort of card in high school. Yeah. I used to get that. I used to swipe it through the door, like on the side and open the lock. I used to go in the music room. <laughs> Every lunchtime, I used to sacrifice my lunch to yeah. be in there for one hour. And I used to pull out the tabla, used to pull out the harmonium. Really? They used to have a shanai in there. I used to start practicing in all these instruments. Wow. So for three years, I did that in high school. It's crazy because that, that, that particular story, it, it sums up a lot, really, doesn't it? That you put in that dedication so early on because you, you had such it's a, a great, passion. It's a great message for kids for as well and to like break into school and learn. Don't try and run away from school. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't try and leave school. Break Don't into school. Go, go learn <laughs> Absolutely. More. That one massive lesson, I, I don't even know what I was doing at that time, right? Mm. I just thought I was just doing what I'm doing, but I didn't. Now, later on in life, I just realized that whatever you want to do, anything is possible. You know, when you put your mind to it. So I didn't see it as I was doing something wrong, right or wrong. I was breaking in. I was going to get suspended. I could have got kicked out of school. I didn't see none of the things. I saw the love for music. I said, all I want to do is just get into that music room Mm -hmm. and practice and just play those Mm -hmm. instruments. You know, the picture that you're really painting here, Bidu, is that obviously with the great Indian dancers, they taught you folklore, right? They, They got you into that passion of the culture and the folk and what it meant, the stories and that real deep rooted culture that we that we in essence come from but then also your underlying passion for music and instrumentation and that kind of thing is that what drove you to go to india to learn off your start then when you were like 16 17 years old yeah yeah i mean you know i um the funny thing is you you, you hear of this guy that just passed away his name was bitu dakamala just recently he has passed away yeah Yeah? he was also a student a senior student of my ustad oh wow yeah okay so we both played the same type of tumbi Mm. right and so the great Indian dance, so he was also a part of the great Indian dancers before I came in. Okay. Right. Yeah. Then he started his solo career and then he started, um, uh, you know, Tall Attack and all that. Remember he did all those, those uh, albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this guy, his name was Bitu uh, Dakyamala. And they used to, they told me the great Indian dancers said that, oh yeah, he plays a tumbi, a Suramali tumbi. And his was start, and he's from Mullapur in, in the Punjab, Ludhiana. I said, mate, I'm from Mullapur. How lucky was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was from the same uh, village, the, the same yeah, pen, yeah. the shed where, where he was from. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, then through conversation, we found out who his Asad was. Then I phoned my, remember my, I was telling you about my uh, dad's mamaji that was with That's Dev right. yeah, Kamala. Yeah. I phoned him up in America. I said, listen, look, I want to learn this tumbi. It's like a Suramari tumbi. And the guys from Ne Mullapur, the Ustad, who actually created it, who taught this guy. Obviously, mm. the guy that was a bit too buddy, he was obviously busy in his own career. He couldn't teach me. And so I want to go to the actual roots. Yeah, yeah. Right? I want to go to the root of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the thing is, like I said, like when I, you want something, you know, when it's inside you and you want something, yeah. there's nothing can stop you, right? Yeah. Look how we'll God, the universe happen. all worked in, in, you know, in my favor because I was purely, I, I didn't want to do it to show off to anybody. I didn't want to do it to like uh, be better than anyone. I just want to do it for myself. Yeah. You know, when you want to, when you do it for the right reasons, everything falls in place. Absolutely. So I found out my, yeah, found out my mamaji in America. He found out Dev 3 Kamala. They found out where this guy was, mm-hmm. Ostaji, and they give, all right, next time you go to India, here's his address, go and go to him. And we've told yeah. him that you're going to come. 
Mm. And you know, that's how it all started. So when I went there, you know, first he, he said, play a basic tumbi. I played the basic tumbi because all right, you got, you've got the rhythm, you, you can learn. So there's no point in me trying to teach you a tumbi from scratch. Yeah. Now I'm going to teach yeah. you how to play the, the Suramali tumbi, you know, with all the, the, the gears and the, the keys on there. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. you know, so it was good. And obviously because I was only there for like a month at a time, you know, mm. like a three or four weeks, we used to go there. So it wasn't, like I was there continuously. So I had to like try to get as much knowledge yeah, from yeah, this, yeah. spend all from your my, time. Yeah, you that. know, yeah, yeah. absorbing that. Yeah. So that was, you know, like, like I said, you know, when you want something, you don't see right or wrong, then you just want yeah. it. You just want it. So it, it sounded like you're on such a musical journey. And obviously it was almost, it was just completely all about the music and it was all about learning instrumentation and stuff. But then you formally went on to university and did sound engineering and, and music production. So going from the instrumentation side of things, was it more of a passionate passion to then learn how you could technically put this together and how you could record this and how you could create really good output from this really? At that, so before I went to university, you know, I mean, during my sort of high school and college times, mm. there used to be a lot of people that used to, that knew, obviously, because there was, like I said, there was no Thumbi players around at that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of our people that were doing albums and they used to take me to the studios and say that, mm. oh, you know, mate, uh, can you come and record this for us? Can we come? I used okay, to go yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And record, I used to play the Thumbi, right? Yeah, yeah. So when I saw that environment, I thought, wow. I was so like blown away. I said, you know what? This is the environment I need to be around, around music mm. all the time. You know, yeah. being one, you know, one thing is, you know, how lucky can you be to, you know, love music as your hobby and then get paid for it? Absolutely. Absolutely. How lucky can you be? Right. I said, Definitely. this is the environment I want to be in. I want to be in this environment. This is my life. I want to, you know, you know, I want to, I want to take. So mm. I sort of made a little studio and things like that at home, but it was very basic. I've got photos still off that studio. You know how it was. It was very basic. <laughs> yeah, and I got yeah. one of the machines right here that I actually bought a friend of, you know, actually this machine came from Cam Frantic studio. So Gavi, yeah. Gavi knew Cam Frantic. Cam Frantic was in Birmingham. Yeah, and obviously right. Gavi, you know, Gavi gave me a lot of support, you know, Binda and he, everybody from Great and Dancers, but you know, Gavi spent a lot of time with me. Mm-hmm. I've got to give him that. He spent a lot of time with me, like a little brother and he, every, anything I needed, he would source it. You know, if I needed like try to get mics put on my thumb, he would come out with me and find how to do it. Yeah, how yeah, should we yeah, do it? And he used yeah. to help me. So he helped me so much. And then he had a link with uh, Cam Frantic, right? Mm. So Cam Frantic, obviously he's a legend in, him, in himself. Like, and then he had a machine this eight track machine that I've got right here. And um, he said, okay, look, if the guy wants to, you know, get into music sort of and understand music and all that, I've got a machine, you know, it's X amount of money, you know, blah, 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 hmm. you know, buy it from me, you know, and I would make, get it, get it. I'll give you the money, just get it. And, you know, he, yeah. he got the machine for me. That's how I actually started. But I want to, you know, so that we started recording little, little recordings on there. Then, uh, obviously, I'll, you know, with the pressure from the parents and all that, they were, you know, they want, I did, at college, I did a diploma in computing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at university time, they were saying, no, no, you need to do that. You know, now you should, and I never even thought that I could even do something professionally in music. Mm. I thought, mm. you know, music, will, I'll have a studio at home. That'll be something I'll yeah, do in yeah, part yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I never yeah, thought, yeah. you know, so the first year I went to uh, university in Leicester and I tried, I went into a computing course, right? And obviously I went off the rails, you know, they, everybody was partying, this Pying and that, that, you know, it all, all went downhill, <laughs> right? And, you know, at that time they used to give you the grants and all that, you know, they used to give you the grants and uh, so that they only used to give you another chance. So they used to give you a second chance. You know, mm. if you fail the first chance, they used to give you one more chance to, yeah, if, yeah, you, yeah, if they yeah. think you're worth it. 
And then on the second, uh, so the first year went down the drain, right? Let's just, that just went out of the window. Yeah. Then I was talking to my, obviously my girlfriend, who is my wife now, you know, at that time, you know, we were talking and she, I was talking to her and she said, listen, you need to do what you need to do, mate. You need to do, if you waste your time in trying to do competing or business studies or this, that, blah, blah, you're just wasting your time. You want to do music. I said, you know what? My parents ain't going to accept that. And she yeah. goes, how can they not upset, accept that? You need to sit. Have you ever asked them? I said, nah, I haven't really asked them. Right? She goes, you need to just do what you got to do. You know, this is, it's crazy. It's just the culture, isn't it? That's the thing. Like, it, especially around that time, 90s eras, it was all about, like, you've got to do these vocational kind of, uh, or you've got to do these very, uh, like, textbook kind of degrees. You've got to do IT. You've got to do business. You've got to do that kind of stuff. Uh, and the funny thing is I've never, I've had so many interviews in my whole life. And this is the first time I've actually spoken about this. This is a funny thing. I always realized that just now. I've never ever spoken about this. I've never ever told anyone about this. So, uh, you know, like I said, my, my partner at the, at the, you know, my wife, who is now my wife, she said, look, you need to go and, you need to go and talk to your mom and dad. You need to go and sort this out. And I saw, I sat my mom and dad down. They were a bit confused. I said, what kind of job are you going to get with this? And that, you know, the normal, you know, the, yeah, what, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the conversation yeah. I had. I said, look, this is, I've already failed. I've, that whole year has gone down the drain. I don't, you know, for me, I'm the kind of person I keep on moving forward. I don't mm. want to be stale. I don't want to be, you know, yeah. and they say, all right, look, do what you want. Sure. You know, but you, if you mess up, it's all on your head. Da, da, da. I said, okay, done. All right. I'll take it. And I went, and I went to London Guildhall, central mm. London, That's right. uh, yeah, London yeah. Guildhall. And I did a music production and engineering degree. Right. Yeah. So it's called yeah. music technology. Yeah. So I did that degree and then I, I passed with flying colors because I was interested in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So after that, as soon as I'd done that degree, I didn't know where to go. I was thinking, shall I go to Abbey Road? Where shall I apply for a job? But, you know, how am I going to do this? I want to, I want to be in this environment. And mm. while, uh, uh, so a year before I was going to graduate, check this out. Like I said to you just now, Chaz, a few minutes back, like when you want to do it for the right reasons, when you have a positive and you're focused, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, guys, right? That will come down himself or her down, whatever you want to call that thing. Yeah. They'll come down themselves and they will open doors for you. And I'll tell you another story that I've never told anyone right. for a year before I was finishing my degree. So the degree is whatever, three years, right? So yeah. the year before I was finishing my degree, I thought, let me, there's a, there's a studio in, in South or called Red Fort Red Studios. Fort. It's called Jet Bamra studio. Yeah. Right. That's right. I, that is the only studio I knew of, right? And because everybody, Premi Jol, uh, I mean, Premi guys, Hira, everybody, Gudasman, yeah. everybody had recorded this. So I always knew about this studio, but I've never been there. Mm-hmm. All right. So I found out where it was, started knocking on the door. For a whole year, every weekend when I used to come home from university or in the summer holidays of my final year, I should be knocking on Kuljit Bramra's door and nobody ever opened the door. I swear to God, I will never lie when it comes to my music. You know, thing. I don't lie anyway, but yeah, bloody, yeah, I would yeah. never lie when it comes to my talking about my music. Nobody ever opened that door, right? I used to walk up to that studio, knock on it. Nobody ever used to uh, open the door. The day I graduated and I finished my degree, I saw a whole year after, on my final year, I graduated all happy, hunky dory, driving back into South or coming back home from university. I thought, let me just drive into that car park and let me just knock on the door and see, or I'll po- put a post-it note because I need, I need to do something now. Like yeah, I've just yeah, done my yeah, thing. Absolutely. I just did one knock wow. and Kulji Bamra opened the door. That's incredible. That, you know what? That's so crazy. I, I can't believe mm. that. He opened the door and I couldn't, <laughs> I've never even seen him. And I did like, he was walking a bit funny and I, all these things I can remember now, because yeah, he had yeah, polio. Yeah. I never even knew he had polio. 
So he had one. Crazy man. And uh, these are the things that are, are traumatized, yeah, embedded in my head because yeah, I saw Kulja Bamra. I, I was dying to see him, and then yeah. I all of a sudden saw him, and then he had this leg uh, thing happening, yeah. and he's like wobbling, and I was like, so confused. I think shall I ask him about his leg or shall I <laughs> tell him what I'm here for? Or what? You know, I was I was so confused. Right? Yeah. So um. You know, so, he, he, it's, it's almost divine, isn't it? It's crazy that brother. You, I'm telling you, 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 you would not this believe this story. It was it was almost as if uh, this degree was almost like the you had to complete it in order to to go to that next step. Like almost almost complete that promise that you made to your parents. Or uh, exactly, it was the blessings. It's my mum's blessings. My you know our father's blessings. You know, and you know when I knocked on the door, I told him. I said, I said, look, Kulji, I've just come out of, I've just graduated today. You know, I've just got, I'm just coming back from uni. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm back in Southall now, and this is X, Y, and Z. This is what I've done. He goes, mate, I've never met an Indian boy from Southall that's done a music mm. technology degree. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just gonna say that time, that at that time, nobody did mm. a music technology degree. Everybody were homemade musicians. They always, like you said, buying the equipment secondhand, that kind of thing, learning on the job. Dropping out of school at sixteen, you very rarely heard of that. people pursuing people it academically. Not really doing that today as much as they could do. It's still not a popular degree to go down or a route to go down because music's still seen as that kind of it's a nice hobby and yeah, learn it in your own time, watch YouTube. But there's, I reckon, there's a handful of people who have gone and said, "I'm going to go and get educated in this. Not I'm going to learn it from YouTube. Not get a YouTube degree or a you know a real solid qualification from." educated people and learn a craft you know like in the same way a dentist learns the techniques of dentistry a doctor has to know the ins and outs of being a doctor if you're going to do a music degree you're learning the ins and outs of becoming a musician at the highest level and it's still for me too few people that do that but for you to do that back then that's a huge breakthrough of the glass ceiling of the stereotype of all sorts of things that people put in your way I know because at that time when my parents were telling all our, you know, all our relatives, that, oh yeah, he's doing this degree. And they what? used to be like, what, what the hell is he going to do with that? Yeah. You know, same, you've heard all these dialogues, right? So, Absolutely. And then Absolutely. they used to like interrogate me, you know, when I was like, when I should come home and then there's somebody, the relatives around, what are you doing? How much you going to earn out of this? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't even know what an engineer yeah. earns. I didn't even know. I thought, exactly. what is it? What am I? I don't even know what the passion is. The passion was there for it. That's the thing. But the, what I find amazing as well is that obviously you knocked on the door to this guy and he opens up eventually, right? But this guy's like you named some of the people that he worked with. But for me, that that was all that was great, right? And the fact that he had this studio and he's worked with all these artists. But for me, Kuljit Bamra, he he did something that not a lot of people were doing. He collaborated with jazz musicians. He did like Bhangra Latina. He did Raga Mella with the BBC Orchestra. 350 piece orchestra at the Royal Festival Hall. These people, these people, people like Kuljit Bamra and uh, Deepak Ajanti, they were the only two major com- yeah. uh, music composers and music producers at that time. They mm. created this form of music that we talk about today called Pangra music. Yes. Pangra was a dance and there was folk music. There was folk Punjabi music and there was Pangra dance. Mm. There was yes, no Pangra right. music no, that absolutely. you would, there was no such thing. These Absolutely. guys fused that. They put the keyboard, the drum kit, loops, guitars. They put the tool, introduced the these things band. too. Pioneers. Yeah, these are, these are the guys. Yeah. And so for him to, uh, so he said to me, look, mate, I've never seen an Indian engineer in my whole life. Right. Yeah. And I've been in the industry. He was in the industry 20 years on already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right. 
But this guy, uh, guys, this uh, Kulji Bamra, he, you know, totally stripped me down again. Those three years that I done in my in, at university, whatever I learned there, he actually screwed yeah. it up and chucked it in the bin. But he took really? me to the wow. studio and he went, right, what do you know? And I said, oh, I know about this desk, Neve desk, this, that. He said, bruv, come on this desk. This is Alan Heath, this, that, blah, blah. And he, mate, he could have scrapped all of that. Start from scratch. Get a pen and paper and sit down and start from scratch. He taught me how to engineer. And I engineered, mate, for the, the biggest classical musicians. Great. We did productions. We did, um, we played in theatre in Victoria, yeah. in the Victoria with him, uh, in Bombay Dreams, through Kulje Bamra. I did so much with Kulje Bamra. But he taught me how to make a business out of this. Do you understand? Mm. It wasn't, he said, all right, hobbies aside, you love music, everything. But now you've got to make a business out of this. Yeah, he set up the yeah. Soundpipe Studios. He helped me make the Soundpipe Studio. I was just going to say, it was only two years after you started working with him that Soundpipe Studios was born, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he helped me make that. He said, right, now, because he was going into big theatre stuff. So he didn't want to do Punjab. He already had done all the, the Punjabi Punjab. He made his yeah, real gaddi, gadda bao hardio, all this sangeeta he launched. He made all this. He's done, he's done all this, right? So he wanted, he was going into theatre. And even now he's massive in theatre. He's the first person that's written the musical score for yeah, Tabla, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. So he's, so he was going into that. He was focused on that. He said, look, whatever you can do from here, do from here and then do the rest from your place when I'm using the studio, right? Yeah. So let's set up a studio at your place. So I set up a studio there. He set up the Soundpipe studio there. He helped me set that up. And wow. then, you know, and when I saw, his, you know, his studio was massive. I mean, this mm. studio was humongous, right? He had a massive, like, 64-track uh, desk. He, desk. And yeah, I yeah. learned how to record mm. onto reel-to-reel from him. We were that's recording crazy. analog reel-to-reel. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, that's why crazy, I recorded, yeah. used to record at, at Red 4 Studios. And that was like, you know, you can't get more rural than that. You know, no, everything no, was no, outboard. Definitely. We had racks and racks of outboard stuff. You know, with none of... None of this stuff that we use today, you know, we, we have all the plugins now, nah, all the compressors, everything was outboard. We had to plug it into the... Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't replicate that sound anymore. You just can't replicate that same sound. It's, a, it's all electronic now. But what, what I find really interesting as well is that there was clearly a part of him that rubbed off on you because obviously you did continue with the passion on the theatre scores and that kind of stuff. Like you worked on Andrew Lloyd Webber's um, Bombay Dreams uh, with him as well. Um, and I believe, so you were involved in the percussion on that, I think. But obviously that, that part of it was real passion for that side of the art and the live side of things. But in the same year, you also released Recorded Delivery, your debut album from your studio. So there, there was almost two sides to the coin here. You were, you were passionate about this theatre live side of things, but at the same time, you were still passionate about your Punjabi folk and recording that side of things and creating Bhangra music, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, at that time, I was still with the Great Teen Dancers. I was still uh, yeah. performing live with them. I was mm. performing with Kuljit Bamra and uh, numerous theatres. There was a Ramayan we done as well. Then we done... Yeah, that's right. With yeah, a yeah, yeah. yeah, then we done with A.R. Rahman and Andrew Lloyd Webber. We done the Bombay Dreams. You know, that went yeah. on for years. And at the same time, you know, we were we were working at Red Fort Studio, mm. uh, doing, uh, you know, recording engine. I was engineering product projects there and obviously working on my album as well. So first of all, I did an album that was on reel to reel. I did that album first on, on the, yeah. on the 24 track reel. We yeah. did a full album, but that album, because it was all analog. And that, at that time, the, the sound was all sound digital. Was yeah, yeah, The yeah, sound yeah. was changing. So yeah. just then B21 had come out, 
Bally yeah. Segu had done his thing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that was the sound at the time. So I had to scrap that whole album. Yeah. So all, and that was like a 12 track album. I had to scrap all of that. Then mm-hmm. I redid uh, the album, took a few songs out of there, but then redid the whole album on digital, on a computer at my, you know, my house, you know, from the, my yeah, studio yeah, yeah. at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we launched, you know, um, that, you know, recorded delivery. And uh, the, the bad luck about that was it was that uh, on that day, it was a bloody. Um, it was 9 11 because it was you launched in 2001, didn't you? So yeah, se- yeah, yeah. September yeah. 11th, basically. Yeah. That's yeah, it. That yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. bloody that had happened on the same day. That's why I'll never forget that because I was like all excited on ZTV. I put on the TV on in the morning because my video was going to come on ZTV yeah, and yeah, the radios were going to play this and everything was ready to launch. Bam, sat in the morning, oh put on the TVs. <laughs> What's going on here? Gutted. Absolutely. So that whole album just got like sort of washed away, which or whatever it, it had to be, it was meant I, to be. I, I, I have to say, my favorite track on that album was the seed. It was honest to God, that is a tune. What a tune, man! And the little, uh, the little vocal in the back, the little screaming vocal, kind of. Yeah, thing yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's a quality tune, and uh, you know what? It, I, it's funny that you say that because for me, I, I always saw it was it was a very understated out or it, it didn't get the recognition that it deserved and obviously there's a I didn't know the reason for that I, obviously like you said when you launched it got uh, diluted in all the rest of the the world's doings but but I think I think if people listen back to it now and hopefully the listeners will and will uh, sample some of the tracks on the across the top I think people will realize that that should have got a lot more recognition than it did yeah and it, no, it was a fantastic it, album fantastic oh, album thank you so much Ed. thank you yeah, it so is, that was a lot of um, hard work went into that. And, um, you know, but then, but the thing is I learned, you know, the good thing was that I was learning, you know, from Kuljit Bamra's studio, uh, you know, when you, he even, he prepped me up so much. He even told me, he said, look, to you, your album is like your baby. You're creating this and people are not going to see it like that. So, you know, you're trying to make it perfect. Don't mm. try to make it too perfect because mm. you're, you're going to, you know, you almost can sort of get, you know, depressed over this kind of stuff. That's sometimes. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so he was always yeah. teaching me. He was trying to. He was mentoring me all the time. And you know, and then then I learned. You know, so he had prepped me up enough where I thought, okay, this has happened. And you know, some people they can't get up after that. They think, oh man, I put all my effort into. It. I selected every single little song. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I try to do everything right, and it went all flop. Mate, if it's gone flop, mm-hmm. it's gone flop. I was ready for the next one. I said, that's right, it. that anyway. You know what's, that's done. What's great Let's do the is, next um, one. Well, what I think that album was in the end, what I think that album was in the end, and for me, listening back to the album, is that it really showed off your musical talent as a singer, a producer, a dumbie player. But also, I think what came from your influence under Kuljit Bamra and the multi-layered instruments on various tracks of that uh, of that album, I think it really showed off yeah. your technical ability as well. You can tell and I think, you I, can tell I think you've that's been where the real... Real, you can, uh, you can tell you've been schooled. You can tell yeah. that this isn't Absolutely. just, uh, you know, one, I think, you know, one of the things that can be thrown at the Bhangra industry or the Asian music scene is sometimes the lack of production quality compared to other genres of music. You know, like you get your hip hop and R&B, crisp, even Bollywood, top, top quality production value, which sometimes, especially in the past, has been missing. But what you get with yours is a real sense that this is a guy who knows his stuff inside and out and it's shown because basically like you've mastered you've, you've so had, well you've, as well you've yeah. done a degree and then also had an apprenticeship you've kind of done both haven't you it's like a really yeah. great scenario you've learned, yeah, yeah, learned yeah. technically no, right. how to do it and then you've learned practically how to do it as well yeah no but 
then again, you know, there's people that have just learned from home and they're making hits all day long. So, you know, there's, there's so music hasn't got a, uh, you know, there's no law in this that we have to say, you know, even though I, because I want to do it professionally, that's how I can say it. And I've, and I've made a career out of this and I've made, you know, whatever I've got today is because of music. I have not never done any other business and, you know, or any other, anything else apart from music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've learned so much and I've got so much from music. Uh, that this is what I want you to, I want you to know the inside out. So of music, you know, so when, when, I, when something goes wrong on my desk, I'll just open that desk up, mate, because I know what's yeah, going yeah, on inside yeah, it. Absolutely. And I can yeah. repair it in two seconds because I've learned that, you know, or something, you know, or something goes wrong with the computer or something. And there's a lot of people that are not technically there, but they're great musicians. They're great producers, but they can't engineer or, no. you know, or there's all different sort of levels of how you're going to do it. And to survive, like I said, look, to, so, because I wanted to only do music, so I had to learn so many, there had to be so many faces to my sort of, my cube sort of thing, you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, so I had to be an engineer. So when, when I didn't have a show, I, I had to have enough work as an engineer for other people that I could survive. So mm-hmm. or when I wasn't uh, recording for somebody else on a thumbi, I could be able to, I could play a vajja piece, I could play a yeah, yeah, evil yeah, pieces yeah. for other people. So, and then, you know, so if I had to, uh, because the industry isn't as big, and you can't just, you know, I can't just be an, be an engineer or can't just be a singer. Mm. You know, I had to do so many different sort of flaws, you know, I had to study so many different areas of this industry. Like, again, then I had to go into music, uh, music video production, mm. you know, directing yeah, yeah, yeah. and editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, did all of our videos I had to do myself because I couldn't afford, first of all, the way I started was because I couldn't afford to uh, get a, to get a music director, music video director no, no, to make our video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't afford it. So I had to make it myself. I had to study. And that's one thing I've learned in my life. Anything I want to do, I can study and learn it and learn that and learn it to a professional enough level that I can put it out there. So when we started making, and you know, then obviously when people saw my videos that I was making for myself, other artists started coming to me, make make my video, make my video. So we were making videos for, we made videos for loads of, I made, I've made hundreds of videos now, music videos, you know, for a lot of different people. Mm. And, um, you know, and it, and I still do, and I still am making videos. You know, like for other people as well, and we're doing the production. So the, to survive in this in this industry, yeah, you know, you've got, got to do a. You've got to be able to adapt to that change in and in, in various different scenarios. Like you say, like we're not blessed to an extent, especially in the early years, to have uh, labels who had endless pots and that kind of stuff. So a lot of it was indie. A lot of it was the. So you had to do things yourself in the best way that you could, and if it meant that you had to take a camera and go down Southall Broadway or Lady Margaret Road uh, singing a song and dancing, you, that's what you would do in order to, to get that exposure. So as well, the, the labels and all that, they weren't doing much, you know, they, so they mm. would just, so they would put it out there and you would have to do all the work. So I, I realized that. distribution really, wouldn't it? Yeah. Putting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I realized that at a very, very early age, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the industry. So that's when, obviously, we had the Soundpipe Studios anyway. We developed it into the Soundpipe Records. We started signing other artists up, yep. you know, and then we had a network with all radio stations. We had distribution sorted out. We had mm. publish, publishing sorted out. We had all the PRS sorted out. We had everything sorted out at that time. Mm. So, and that happened very quickly because I only gave one or two albums to other people. And then that's it. I realized that, mate, I'm going to have to do all this work. I'm going to have to do myself anyway. And I can do yep. it myself. Yep. Absolutely. You know, so let's get down to it. So from yeah. that 2001 to like, 2005 when Soundpipe uh, Records was launched. Obviously, this was like an emergence of South in Southall there was a lot of producers that ended up emerging in them 5 years as well and and you were a part of that. And you obviously released um 
your, the album succeeded in a recorded delivery, but then also you did the release Jada Get Ready, which was specifically just for the Indian market, really, wasn't it? And it had massive success with Jada Kechtiari. Everybody, when I went to India at that time, when Jada Kechtiari came out, everybody knew that song, right? And it was, yeah. it was huge in India. And Nuparuri released that album yeah, in India. Right. But yeah, they, yeah, yeah. at that time, because of like iTunes wasn't around and things like that, none of that was around. So mm-hmm. they had released it in India. And then obviously we had to arrange to get it released sort of over here. Uh, but it was mm. like a year or, year or two later. Yeah, so that was edited, like, it was very similar to Edited by Faith, right? That was kind of... That was the same album. release yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, but that came, yeah. At that time, uh, you know, India was booming, you know, with, with the shows and things yeah, like that. Yeah, so yeah. I was looking, uh, you know, very closely over there. But, you know, I, did, I, I was there at that time and there was, you know, now it's different over there. At that yeah. time, there was, it was no professionalism. And obviously it was just about getting into a professional sort of scene in this country, let alone over there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. So now it's a total different ball game over there. At that time, you know, Absolutely. we used to go there, you know, in Nepal, see all Nepal, and you had a manager yeah, yeah, and yeah, all, yeah, yeah. you know, he, he, you know, and it started happening where I was doing shows over there, but I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting paid. So the manager was saying, Oh, you know, only a little, and so all yeah, of that yeah, sort of scenario yeah, happened. Yeah, and I got a bit disheartened. I thought, you know what? I can't, I, you know, I'm from England. Yeah. I've come here for a little while to, you know, I'm on my jacks and I need to, what you call it, make it work. You know, I can't be doing all of this business. So that, that was a little thing. But obviously now when I go there, now it's a different thing. Now, you know, everybody's professional. There's a bigger industry there now. But, you know, there's yeah. a lot of youngsters involved now. Whereas yeah. at that time, it, they were all uncles. And so yeah. you couldn't even like grab the geezer by his oh, neck and say, then, weren't they? that's it. They were just they like, were... yeah, yeah, do this, do that. Yeah. Go and see him, go and see that. Go and see that kind of stuff. Yeah. Going up and down from Punjab, Delhi, Punjab, Bombay, Punjab, Delhi, Bombay. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Just like messing about. So, um, you know, but that was all a part of the, it was all a learning curve. It is absolutely. So under Soundpipe Records, your first album, well, under that was Bedazzled, wasn't it? So that was your, your first so first album was Taji's album Ran Botalwargi we released what I mean first. is it your own album is under my solo one year was Bedazzled yeah that was the yeah, second album right. that we done on that on that label yes yeah so under the label it was second album but it was yeah so we your, launched it with next album, Ta- yeah. Taji's one first and then after that we released so many albums on that even now we, we did the Shinda duet recently those were more re- sort of later on then we did all the Baba yeah. Vier stuff we did Dark MC stuff you know we did a quite a few few different and then we were we were releasing a lot of, then I paired up with uh, Nupur as well. So I was releasing a lot of their sort of crossover artists as well. Yeah. You know, that yeah. were, you know, like Vinay Pal, Butter and all that. Mm-hmm. And Gulzar, you know, we did his one, uh, Rabato Mangeakaro, you know, Kushiande uh, Dintyara, you know, so there's a... F- yeah, so so what I find interesting is that obviously when when you set up Soundpipe Records, it was it was an era in the industry where a lot of collaborations were happening. So you collaborated with like Miss Pooja, and that as well during that time. And, and I was the first one her. UK artist to, to do a duet with Miss Booja. There you go. She was massive. She was she massive, was massive that at that time. And she, all her, uh, all her collaborations and duets were with India artists. Yep. I was the first UK born artist to do yep. a collaboration with her. Which opened the doors for a lot. I, I suspect like, obviously she, she went on and did it with DJ H and, and various other people as well. So obviously opening the door to that UK, that UK partnership. With with her as a as an artist, yeah. So we did that track Majajane for uh, DJ Phoenix's album, yeah. And uh, that was really good for me. I mean, that you know that done really well as well. Yeah, but but nothing must have come close to 
to the tune with with your brother Taji uh, Big B I G. That that was that was an absolute and still is a massive hit. I mean, it still it still hits. <clears throat> Every show, we will never do a show where we haven't performed that track. Oh, Not so a surprise can't at all. Do a show without that, people yeah. are like, why, why did you? Why did you come here, man? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and even sometimes, if the if the crowd is a bit. Like that, when that track comes on, you know, if we know that the crowd are not getting up or whatever, then we just put that track on first. We say, you know what, bring them on. And yes. everybody will come up on that track. And it's just. Did you anticipate that it was going to have as much success as it did? I mean, obviously, you know that you're, cre- you're creating a, a tune and it's good, but the longevity that that song has had, like, we're 11 years in now and it's still, and it's still just as good as it is. Yeah, exactly. And I still kick it on set. And the thing is, look, most of our songs, we had to recreate them and make them today's sound. So even like with Babave or other tracks that we've got that yeah. we perform live, we sort of attach them up mm. a little bit just to uh, yeah. the tempos and yeah, yeah. that track is untouched. We perform that's, that's it the, as it that's was. That's the sign, isn't it? That's the sign because of, we a, don't need to. of a timeless track. Yeah, and that track, when uh, Taji, um, he just made that riff. So he, he yeah. just had that riff. So he cut up that riff and he just made that riff and, I was, and, he, said, and he didn't even save that project yet. He just made it and I was in the office part of the studio yeah, yeah. and I heard it and I said, hold on, bruv, play that again. I mm-hmm. thought, oh my God, that's got, that's got a vibe to it. It has, man. I said, and, and he, I said, oh, have you saved it? And he goes, not yet. I said, save it as that's a big one. I said, save it on the desktop. So I know that's a, save it as BRG, <laughs> big. That's going to be a big track. Oh shit, that's how the name they got there. I said, wow. because then I'll know, and then I'll know where it is on the desktop. I go, yeah. name it as BRG. He saved it and named it as BRG. Straight away, I got on the phone. Uh, no, so then I was, for a couple of days, no, no, we we worked like you know he was making the rhythm and I, and I said you know this sounds tra- obviously because it was like a traditional vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, I said yeah, I want yeah. to do a, kick a traditional bolly to it. So I, I started going, you know, we were thinking a few and the ones that that was stuck in the head was Harani Lumbi Ma It was a bolly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the hook line was from a bolly Harani Lumbi Ma Karike Gira Gidde Vichy Deja Mutte Aare. So straight away, I found out Perti, Silomala. You know, the guy that's written Kardku and all that for the, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, he's a good writer for that. And he was a good friend of ours because he was writing a lot of tracks for us as well. Uh, he was working as Diljit Dasanj's uh, secretary at that time. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was running his office and he was writing songs and he was writing songs for us. And obviously, and he wrote massive hits for uh, Diljit anyway now. And uh, I found him up. I said, bruv, this is a hook. Make something on this. And, and I said, and I told him, I said, don't make them like India songs because at that time India's verses yeah, used to yeah. be very long. Yeah, yeah, I said, make it like, only two lines and it comes yeah. cross line and bam, straight to the hook line. So, uh, then cross line. I said, bring it back to that. I said, two lines, cross line and back. And he said, bruv, the, the verses are going to be too short. He's answer the Swadi. I said, brother, just do it like that. Keep, keep that engaged, feel. Man. That's it. That's yeah. it. I said, yeah. I want to keep on coming back to that. He was on the no word of a lie. He was on the phone, and he he's so talented. That guy. He started writing it, and I said, okay. So he wrote the phone. I said, stay on there. And he was on the phone, and I said, press the record button, and we were recording the song. <laughs> I didn't even know what the full song sounded like. Sick. So I sing the first song. Then I said, Hanji Paji, Leclerc. And he would write the next one. So we actually had recorded, he wrote about seven, eight anthre to that song. Seven, eight oh verses while we were on yeah, the phone yeah, like this. Yeah, 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 we recorded yeah. them all and we, then we picked out the ones story. that we wanted to use. Four, yeah, three, yeah. four verses. And that's how we recorded that song. It's just amazing how that it comes together like that. And uh, 
it, it was just so quick. And obviously you overheard a sequence that, that Taji created. And what I loved about that sequence as well is that you kind of give it this, um, this really old gramophone kind of feel to yeah. it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and that came across. So you could feel that it is a very old school classic type of rhythm, but then it came through on the track on such a modern track. I thought that, that, that synergy between that two. Yeah. And even massive. on that album, you know, we didn't even put that as a first track. We thought there's other, uh, you know, at that time, Kaka Peniwala was really yeah, big yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah, so we put all yeah. those tracks first, you know, we had Nirmal on there, we had Juggy on there, we had so many other great names on that album. Yeah. You know, and I didn't even think that, that tra- I thought that track would be perfect for me just to perform. But that's all I had a vision for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said, you know, I'll perform that and I can guarantee people will dance to it. But I didn't know it was going to become so successful, mm, you know, absolutely. and look what well, the funny thing was that track worked over here and it was massive. And in India, you know, it never sort of got, it sort of got released, but it didn't sort of get released. You know, it yeah. sort of, it, it just showed how different the industries were there and, and what they were listening to over there uh, compared to now. And now, yeah, if that track had blown yeah. up like that now, it would be massive over there right now. Absolutely. You know, it, it's because now it's just the same. Yeah. Like, wherever it goes, we hear over there, we hear about it over here straight away. So that that was obviously like eleven years ago. Such a long time. I mean, you and your output of music since then has been huge, and you, you've done a lot of work in India with uh, with PTC Punjab B and T series, and and your output has been massive. And that was around between two thousand and ten and two thousand and fourteen. There was a huge output for you over there. But for for me, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that there was a little bit of a drought in the UK Bangra music industry around that time. Was it a coincidence that you decided to focus your attentions over in India? And so what influenced that move to spend more time and do more music over there? Because you were saying like, there was, you know, because there was a, it was a drought going on over here, really. You know, there was, there was nothing much going on. There was a lot of uh, talent, you know, at that time. You know, it, it was for a musician, for an artist, you know, you have, the work is where the work is, you Absolutely. know. So I had a studio set up over there as well in uh, uh, Jalandhar Kent over there. In Ramanpur, we had a studio set up there. I bought a, uh, I bought these like two empty shops sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we converted them into a studio and it's still there. Uh, but we don't use it much now. But, you know, we set up a studio at that time. I had loads of artists coming and I was doing a lot of work from there. And, and also, you know, in between that time, you know, we do at that time, then it was a DJ sort of era had started yeah, as well. Right. With the yeah, DJ yeah, producer yeah. sort of stuff. So we obviously were doing a lot of ghost production and all that for DJs as well. Mm. You know, under their name, so obviously that's our work. You know, it's not about oh, yeah, we need to. Yeah, that, that's the like bread this. and butter, isn't it? Really? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, yeah, a yeah. client comes. You know, they they have got the idea. You know, these guys have these DJs. They have great ideas. They, you know, it's their production. Really, we're just engineering it for them. We're making it sound right. We're making their idea come alive. Yes. You know, so we were doing a lot of that stuff. So we, you know, we were. So there's been a lot of phases I've seen through. You know, twenty years I've been in this professionally. Mm. Twenty years. Yeah. You know. Not even like, you know, when I, this is after I've, you know, this is 20 yeah, yeah, years yeah, I've done yeah, this yeah. professionally. And it's before that, I'm a, time. So mm-hmm. I spent my whole life in music, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So from a very young age, I've been on stage and been performing and all that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then people say to me, oh yeah, you know, you get this energy, this and that. And when you're on stage, you take some kind of drugs yeah, and this yeah, and that. But yeah. I said, no, brother, I was born on stage. <laughs> you know, when I was, when you were, you were, you know, you know, playing in your nappies, I was, I was on stage, you know, I was yeah, being yeah, blessed yeah. so much. Mm-hmm from God, you know, and you know, that I met the great Indian dancers that I met, the great people that I've met in my life that, that had taken me, they've taken me on the stage. They said, mate, you belong here. Come over yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I I've think seen mentorship's that, really important, isn't it? To that, that guided you in them early years, because ultimately that set you up to, to where you are now. But 
And and it's funny you say that because we have focused a lot in the last uh, 10, 15 minutes or so on production and, and tunes and that, but underlying all that, you were still on stage. You you did tours with like the Doll Foundation and you 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 did performances with like Naughty Boy on stage at BBC Asia Network Live and and you continued that love for the live performances and being on stage where you probably feel most at home, I can assume. And I think that's really important. When you have, you know, when, like you said, when it becomes home, mm. you know, you're no one's scared of being at home, are no, they? That's no, your absolutely. safe, you know what I mean? Do you, you're, that's your safe haven. So when, when I'm on stage, I feel this is, this is where I belong. And, you know, I'm not trying to be cocky or trying to be like, overconfident or anything. Anything can happen on stage because you're in God's hands. Anything, that's why we always, we always bow to the stage. Mm. We, we are at mercy of the stage first. So I think we absolutely. don't drink yep. or anything like that. Or take any anything like that because we don't mm. because we would you do that when you go to the temple for us that is that is a gurdwara for us that is for a, a mandir for us that is a masjid for us we, we're working and people are there whatever around us drinking whatever but for us in a, in our zone that is sacred, sacred we're in place. God's hands yeah you respect right? yeah. so we would yeah. not disrespect, so you're at home then the confidence comes out then you know that you can you can bring the audience together and you know watching people I mean I don't know if you know about this in 1999. I did the backing vocals for Gurdas Manji as well. Wow. On, on his UK tour. Okay. So on UK, on, in 1999, uh, Kalwant uh, Turji, he's a senior, again, from the great teen dancers. This is how mm-hmm. I got introduced to Gurdas Manji. Crazy. Yeah. So, you know, he oh, seems uh, to come back to the great Indian dancers, doesn't it? Such a fundamental time in your life and such a pivotal time. Of course, mm-hmm. if they weren't there, I wouldn't be here now talking to you. I'll tell you that, you know? So they, um, you know, they, he introduced us to Gurdas. He was a close friend of Gurdas. He still is a close friend of Gurdas Manji. And uh, he, at that time, you know, so this is, I was so blessed like how I got introduced to Gurdas Manji. And then obviously then as a singer, I got introduced. And I was saying, how can you introduce me? Just introduce me as just a member of the group. Don't say I'm a singer. Bro, he's a singer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Gurdas <laughs> a singer. You, I can't, don't even say I'm a singer. You know what I mean? So I was like that. Then what, uh, what happened was that his backing vocalist didn't get the, something happened and either he didn't, I can't remember, he didn't get the flight, he missed the flight or he didn't get the visa at that time. Because he, but it wasn't about the visa because obviously he used to come all the time with good last month, right? But um, he got late or something and he, or something happened, I don't know, where he didn't, he didn't come on the tour and they were, they didn't have a backing vocalist. So then good last month, you heard me sing because I sang a few lines and all that. And uh, they said, right, you know what? The whole tour, you're going to do the backing That's vocals amazing. with me. And I was thinking like, what the hell? Like, this is, is this for real? I thought it was a joke. I thought this ain't gonna, this ain't for real. Mate, then the whole tour, then I played the Tumbi as well. And I did the backing vocals in 1999 for Gurdas Manji. And you know, the first couple of shows, I just had my mouth open. Because I've never even seen Gurdas Manji perform. And then they, they actually put <laughs> the me on the stage you've seen perform, you actually need to do a job. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was watching him from behind. So I'm... What I was amazed, what my jaw-dropping experience was that wow. I was looking at the audience mm. and how he controlled the audience. Absolutely. They did not even blink. An artist, an absolute artist and such You a know, talent. the legend of legends, Gurdas yeah. Man, and the first experience I had of ever watching him sing live or seeing him sing live was from with him on stage. Incredible. That's crazy. You know, from behind. And I was just like, and I was gobsmacked. And that's... You know, that I learned so much from those 12 shows that we did around the country. You know, I was just oh, shocked, you know, stage to see craft, that. Singing, everything. Absolutely like. That's what I learned. Yeah. 
How he controlled how, legend how he flipped finest. the songs, you know, whatever way he was going. Like he's like, you know, he's like water. He whichever way the audience takes him, he's just gonna go. There's no yeah. one dimension to him. Someone's walking past, he's gonna sing something else. So, you know, wherever he's, he's connected. And I saw that connection. I saw how a person, a singer, a human being mm. gets connected up there somehow mm. and then is just floating on stage and everybody's just gazing at him. Like, wow, what's going on? I've never seen that before. And, and the fact that he's been able to do it over so many years and, and not deviated is crazy. It's so good. How can you be? A, there's no artist that has crazy. been a hit, a super hit, number one that for was. that long, reign for that long. And he, he still comes every other year or every year and it sells out every single time. People go see him all over again. Same people. They'll keep going. They'll generations keep going. and generations. They, they don't care if it's the same song. They don't care if it's the same thing. They don't, and the guy, you know, for me, obviously, is a different, you know, I've, I've seen him from such a close, you know, proximity, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you think how, you know, mm. it's so, it's so spiritual, you know, how he treat, you know, and that's where you learn, you know, from the great teen dancers, I learned how to respect your stage, how to respect mm. your, you know, they used to get their costumes and they used to yep. bow to their costumes yeah, yeah, before yeah, they would yeah, put yeah. them on. And things like that. And then I saw Gurdas Manji and I saw how his, all his musicians, how, you know, how strict they were with their, with their profession. Yeah, how, absolutely. you know, strict they were. They would bow to their instruments, everything they would take out. And I thought, you know, how Gurdas Manji just treated the stage, how he, you know, it was, it was, it was just amazing. The, the experience that I've had in life with music, you know, in such a short time, it takes, you know, it would take, I don't know, some people don't even have that experience, you know, and I feel so blessed. I mean, like you said, in, 90, in 1999, you were, what, probably about 20, 25? Yeah, I'm 41 uh, 20, now. 24. At such a young age, at such a young age, you had the opportunity to, to share a stage yeah. and to perform yeah. with a legend, legend, an absolute legend. legend. And 15 years later, he's still doing it as big as he was then. He was. It wasn't yeah. like he was a, a no, legend in that no, time. Because that's what I'm saying. And wow. now, you I know... Mean, and I see as, him as well. You see, you see, you see okay. Diljit Dasanji is an absolute amazing. He's a, he's a yeah. talent, fantastic artist. But I, I don't know if you've seen, uh, I think probably everybody's seen the Coke Studios um, on YouTube with Diljit Dasanji and, um, and Gurdas Man. The crazy thing is, is I thought Diljit Dasanji was the man. And then Gurdas Man sings. And then you're like, bruv, you got nothing in it. You got nothing on him. You are sick, but honest to God, Gurdas Man's a different level. A different, different level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a time. It's the experience he's had. It's the, it's the, the you know, there's so yes. much to, to him. Mm. You know, the lyrics, you know, where are these lyrics coming from? What he's writing, Absolutely. these things like that. And, you know, he's, how, you know, I just don't understand how, you know, his earlier songs were like, you know, Sajjan Abhi Sajjan and all those songs, right? Very, very early, early songs. Mm. How was he getting those compositions and writing yeah, things yeah, like that at that really time? Is. And then today he's writing, you know, still making hits, like this Punjab song, the recent one that he done, you know, things like that. He is still smashing. And, you know, I've seen so many artists in India as well. I've been with them as well, you know. Mm. But when you, when you, you obviously I'm still not good last month still now, so I see him very frequently when I go to India as well. And when you see the, the, the world around him, the way when people see him, the, the crowds, they mm. actually think, you know, they've, mm. they, you know, it's like they've seen an There's alien or something. Or like, yeah. what is it? You see, <laughs> they can't believe it, you know. And I, and then I, I it makes me think, mate, you are so lucky. Mm. How lucky mm. am I that I can actually sit down and have tea with him, have dinner yeah, with him, have, you know, speak to him on a one-to-one level where so many people are, you know, craving to actually just be, just 
in in awe of him for a second. I, I know that you say that that obviously you're you are so lucky and so blessed to to be around that. But I I have to say that a, a career like you said, professionally spanning twenty years, but actually graft spanning thirty five. There's a reason for that, and the, and that's the and that's the payoff. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've you worked extremely hard, and like you said, there have been times of uh, these divine moments where things have fallen almost in front of you and you've had that great opportunity, but I'm not always a great fan of just saying that they've fallen in front of you. I'm also, you had to be there. You had to be circling around them places. The, the, there was a reason why you was there at that time. And it's not because you accidentally ended up there. It's because you almost manifested what you wanted to do. You always wanted to be in music. So therefore music and various people who thought you deserved it have granted you certain opportunities. And uh, and allowed you to be a part of that, and I, I think what you're what you did then, and even now you are being more and more relevant. Like we said earlier, with the social media and the TikTok, you're trying to keep yourself in people's eyes and doing certain things. I think I think that's a credit to uh, to your work and 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 the kind of person that you are. No, thank you so much, Jazz. Like I said, you're too too kind, man. You guys are, you, you know what I mean? You're going to make me. It's very easy exactly, to be kind. Exactly when, that. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. one thing, you know, you've, you've earned it. It hasn't fallen onto your lap in terms of, yes, you've had these moments where God's provided, universe has provided, but underneath that, it's like passion in your heart, clean mind that you wanted it with. You didn't want it for the, you know, you mentioned you didn't want it for the fame or the fortune. You wanted it because you loved, you loved it. And therefore you, yeah, no, you, absolutely. you did the hustle. You've done yeah. the hustle that goes with all that. You know, it's, it's easy to kind of say you like something and give up, but to do what you've done to have the success takes an enormous amount of talent, of course, but it also takes hard work to back it up. And that's why you've done the incredible things you've done in your career so far. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. No, you're right. You know, you have to have, like I said, you know, you, you've, once you've got that passion and you've got that drive, I don't think there's nothing can stop you, you know? And, you know, okay, I'm not going to say like, you know, I'm the biggest artist, this, you know, but I've, I've had a good, I've had a good time, you know, and I'm still yeah. having a good time and there's yep. still more to come. You know, there's not like is, is, is over or whatever, you know, times are always changing. You know what I mean? Now, uh, you know, the, the style of music that people are into are more the India, that, that sort of sound that is coming from India yeah. and which is a great sound All Canada, you know, they're doing great stuff. You know, there's not much coming out of the UK right now, no, no. but you know what I mean? We are, we are still here. We're still doing our thing. We're still yeah, going to yeah, be grafting. We're still, yeah, yeah. it's always, there's always, these things always happen. And you, and I don't ever feel, you know, people say to me, oh, like, you know, these people are, uh, you know, that, that they're taking over the sort of scene or you, why aren't you doing something like the uh, tracks or why aren't you doing something mm -hmm. like to do tracks? Bruv, that is not my style. That is not my style. I'm That's not going to, you know, you've got to be, okay, you've got to be dynamic as in like, you know, you've got to have different styles and all that in that sense. But that's their time, man. Let them yeah, yeah, yeah. enjoy it. That is, it's brilliant. I appreciate it. I listen to the music. I learn from the music. You know what I mean? I, you've, that's how I learn from the lyrics. I learn from, but at the, you know, I, I can't sing that because I won't feel it. And I've come to that stage where I've got to feel something yeah. to actually bring, push it out there and believe in it. Like mm. Halani Lumbi Bankarke, because it was a folk. Yeah. It was, it had that it folk touch with a modern feel to it. That's yeah. why I could feel it. I that is me. So well. yeah. That was, yeah, that resonates in me because I am a UK born Punjabi like you guys, but I've had the I've had the passion from the folk stuff. So when I when I fuse something like that together, then it it wakes me up. You know what I mean? Then I can then people will believe me. If I'm telling the truth, if I if I really tell the truth, you will only believe it. If I lie, 
So if I'm singing something, but I'm I'm lying, really. Mm. I'm just singing yeah. it because I think that you want to hear that. Yeah, you will yeah, yeah. you will still hear it. You will hear that. I'm I'm still doing my stuff. I'm you know I'm you know I want I want to you know sort of make a movie. I want to I want to make some new music that I'm I'm sort of that's the sound that I want to make. You know I want to I want to show my my acting sort of thing because I've mm. I've had a passion for that since I was a young age. I used to yeah, yeah, do yeah. little skits at home and like when all the the my uncles used to get together and they used to make me do this a scene out of uh, like Shrabi thing out and they used to crack up and they to, my nickname my, one of my mama Jeezy he nicknamed me Charlie Chaplin he said mate you entertain everyone you're, and he used to call me Charlie yeah, 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 when yeah. I was younger and you know I used to always get pissed off and I used to think oh my god why does he call me Charlie like I'm a joker or something I used to get upset yeah, with him yeah, right yeah. but now I look back and I think oh my god he saw Charlie Chaplin in me that's yeah. a Charlie Chaplin's a legend yeah, com- yeah absolutely it's a compliment absolutely yeah, yeah. you know what I mean he was calling he was calling me a legend I always say to him now I said mama yeah you used to call me Charlie and he still calls me Charlie now you know because uh-huh. I used to see that because you used to when all the kids were there you used to be entertaining them you were the one that wanted to entertain everybody yeah, and yeah. this is something that's you're born with you know it, so anybody like my family that know me from a young age they say you know that's what you were you were an entertainer so when they see me doing this stuff like when I'm making my skits and all they always remind me mate you used to do that when you were young <laughs> you know you used to try to copy uncle yeah, or you used yeah, to copy yeah, that yeah, uncle yeah, or you used yeah. to copy that no, mom I've I seen your videos um on your insert and stuff like that, and they're they're brilliant. And I I think you're right. You do have a real talent for it. So why not pursue it? Why not continue down the road and and try something new and adapt and 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 take it off in different directions? Okay, we do. So this is the part of the show, the three P, where we ask you what are the three songs that you could play on repeat over and over again, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, whatever you're doing, no matter where in the world. It can be any genre, any type of music. What is your first three P? So my first one is Sajjana with Sajjana. I would be very surprised if your first pick was a good ass one. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that song, uh, it, it just touches me every time. You know, I can listen to it on repeat. And I don't. And you know what? The problem I have with that song is, well, I try not to listen to it. How funny is that? Right? <laughs> I actually try not to listen to it. Because once that plays... I cannot get my fulfillment of that song unless wow. it plays for at least 10 to 12 wow. times <laughs> a, before I turn it off. It's, it's a true three feet then, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> everybody around me gets fed up because I can't move on from that song. I have to hear it so, like a good 10 times. Like yeah, one after yeah. the other, one after the other, straight away, repeat, 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 repeat. And it's not even a short song either. It's so not a short song. Like three yeah, hours. Yeah. I gotta, then I sort of get fulfilled with that song. So that oh, I try, actually that is one of my first songs I can uh, you know play on repeat, mm. but I actually try not to listen to that song at all. It's, what a, what it's a funny so, message! It's, it's <laughs> so yeah, it's so good. That, it's you so love it so much that I try not to listen yeah. to it. I love it. Absolutely, <laughs> and that is the reality. That is the truth. That's the first we've had that, but that's best <laughs> best explanation. That's brilliant. So that's a strong start. Then uh, yeah. we do. What's what's the second then? Second one is Nit Karamanga Sonia Materi from Ustad Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. Okay, it has to be like the, the like eighteen minute version or something, right? The eighteen minute version, <laughs> right? Because he's only recorded it live. He's yeah, only absolutely. a live recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's never. There's no professional recording of this song. No. So it, it's it's the live recording that you will hear on YouTube. That is the most popular recording of that song, and uh, that song. It lifts me and I use that song on repeat when I'm actually running or something like that. So if I'm jogging, if I'm running, because it's so long, it takes the time away. Yeah, yeah, Right? So, you know, sometimes you get bored running. And I run around a, uh, you know, the the 400 meter track, Hmm. right, at the gym. So I run around that quite a few. So I have to do like 
like good 10 laps of that and that song take uh, actually uh, once I get so into that song, mm. right, that I don't realize where that 18, 17, 18, 20 minutes I've gone. Mm. Then I play it again and it's and it feels it's a beautiful song. It's such a beautiful and what I love about it, and like I said, the live version as well, or which is the only uh, legitimate version, yeah, is it goes in different directions as well. So even though it's yeah. 18 minutes and, and time seems to stand still, it yeah, it keeps you guessing. The way his voice is so intricate and it and he's going mm. through these different... It's like he takes you on a journey through the song. Absolutely. And But the worst thing is, that is the worst song to repeat. I'll tell you that why. I'll tell you why. Oh, why? Yeah, that is the worst me. song. Because when I'm running around the thing and then the song finishes, <laughs> I have to bring, put that song back on because it lifts my energy up. Yeah. Right? It lifts you, that song does, right? So when I put it on, I hate repeating that song because when you put it on, the tempo starts... <laughs> and then by the time where you left it was on it the Kaharonga so you, you left back it, up to that now. Yeah, so you've left it right at the end of that 18, 20 minutes and you're in that zone, that tempo is beating in you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you have to start from the first bit, the, the harmony back and the build-up starts again. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so that's the worst song to repeat. Because you get Wait. so into it and then then you have to repeat it, we went, it kills we went you, man. From, I'm, I'm going to say, we went from the first one, which is, I try not to listen to this song because it's that good. Bitu, to, Bitu, this Bitu, one you I'm already going to say it right now. <laughs> because Bitu's it's so good. This is going to be the best one. But the warning, the warning that comes with this is, here's three amazing tunes. Do not listen to them. <laughs> Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. <laughs> never listen that. Exactly. Exactly. These are the worst tunes yeah, ever to listen to. I'm telling you. Oh, on repeat. Because it's all it. about repeat. So it's the worst song to listen to on repeat. That's so amazing. the third. So third and final, then we do what we're talking and we're going in a different direction. Are we? Yes. Are we let's, let's, yeah. Because, uh, yeah. Because these are, these tracks were like, you know, folks or, or traditional, you know, from legend. And they were, obviously this guy's a legend as well. And uh, there's a lot he's given. And I want to mm. definitely mention him and give him a big up is PMC, you know, and one of Absolutely. his tracks that are always loved. All right. There's certain tracks, obviously a lot of tracks when I hear them, you know, at first sometimes you it doesn't click or your mind sometimes finds a fault or you're trying to, but they are all, they, they are hit tracks. But this track, Nima Hoge Ashrabi, that hit me right there. That hit me right there. The first time I heard it, I went, the whole rhythm, the everything, it reminded me of Gideon Dirani, A.S. Yeah. Kang. Yeah, yeah, it reminded yeah, yeah. me of, uh, you know, you know, the feel it had in there. He, He's again, EMC is a legend in his own right for these Absolutely. things. Like when he can't, he I don't know how he does it, but he locks into you know his production when he when he produces something, something raw about it. You know, he doesn't overdo the reverb. Yeah, this he what I was gonna say that sometimes his songs sound so simple, but they work so well. Like, like you said, the, the vibe on that tune is if somebody listens to that, you wouldn't say it's like massively layered and intricate and going off in different directions it's very much what you see is what you get but it works so well and the production is so tight you know he has there's no technically like some really high quality flanges or any yeah, reverbs yeah, yeah, or anything yeah. like he hasn't used nothing it almost sounds like there's nothing on it and the guy's just singing live up on a short gill he's on a song right mm. it, it almost seems that he's actually singing it dry but you try to recreate that sound it's so hard 100%. It's so hard to recreate that, there's, but there's, it's, it's, it's production. one of the hardest things to do with music production is to make simple things sound good. 
because there's a lot of people who layer and layer and layer and layer and layer to try and mask the fact that the production is not that great. But to make something simple and use minimal instruments and create legendary tunes, that's real, real talent, isn't it? That's real talent. That's hard, man. Absolutely. And he's, yeah. he's, uh, he, he's a master at that. He's, you know, and he yeah. comes back and he is morning this, that, yeah, you know, yeah, recently yeah, yeah. he's done a few, you know, uh, the, even that, uh, the, the one he done with that guy, that Shrabi, Pichani uh, Shardidar, what a tune. Yeah. You know, like he comes up, I don't know where he, you know, he'll go quite, and he's that type, you know, he, the, if you meet him, you know, his nature and how he is, you know, he's not the, the type, like, you know, he's not hyper like us and, you know, he's no, not no, like, no, no, no. and you think, you know, and he just comes back and he just comes back after a bit of time. He goes quiet sometimes and he just comes back and he just put, puts one in there. Even his older stuff as well. We do like, we, we, uh, we had the, the pleasure of performing. Well, I was DJ Mac was my, my hat man for a, a live virtual event for charity. And uh, we were doing a set and we decided we wanted to mm. go old school with it. So we played bid, right? And the feedback <laughs> that we got, and that tune people out, like, this is a tune and heard this in time, all that kind of stuff. And you think, you know what? That is such a credit to his music that even a song that's probably what easy 15 years old, maybe even more, right? It, it still hits, it still hits, and it, it provides that nostalgia, you know. What I mean, it always had that garage vibe to it, that 130 BPM, and it was sick, man. You know, I was at college when he came out with that, all the grassroots and things like oh. that. You look at that 20 years ago, well, yeah. God knows when he, like, you know, he, uh, where was he coming out with that? That sound was brand new. It was. And hip hop vibes on there as well. Sample at the beginning with the Madonna and that kind of stuff. It was, legend. He's a legend. And the Mundiata Bachkere, he, he made the, mm, the Tumbi, the sound of the Tumbi international. But, not taking away from your three yeah. people, do absolutely brilliant and well thought out. Yeah. Definitely, I won't listen to these songs <laughs> again. This is the part of the show where we ask, are you roots or rhymes? So we're moving on to the final question of the show. So everybody can understand from your perspective, from your career, everything that you've done from, from the early days of learning the thumbi and picking it up off your family and people that you know until now the success that you're going through at the moment and so relevant in this day and age. The final question we'd like to ask you is, are you roots or rhymes? I think everybody knows what I'm going to say, but I'm going to still say it and it has to be roots. I'm all about roots. I did not expect anything different. You've taken us us all about the roots. But what I really loved you talking about me doing, I think what comes across so strongly is you're like a historian, bro. Like, it's not just about, you know what I mean? It's not just about like, oh, this used to happen. It's like, you mm. you know, you've, you've been passed down <laughs> the history, the folk, the information, and it's ingrained in you. And, you know, that history comes with respect, doesn't it? And it's about respecting your roots and all those kind of things. You know what? You're, that's a funny thing. You're the, you're the first person that for a long time that said that to me. Because back in the day, so many people used to say that to me. But, uh, older people, they used to, because mm. I used to, I used to tell them stories about like old folklore, things yeah, like yeah, that. And yeah, I love, yeah. I'm, I, I, you know, I remember these stories, you know, then even about, you know, Sikhism yeah. or, you know, about our folklore, about our culture, yeah, how yeah. our culture mm. is confused with religion. You know, I used mm. to have these debates and they used to say to me, if bloody hell, mate, for somebody so young and being born, you know, in the UK and, you know, you, you're like a story. They used to say that to me as well. And the, 
You just reminded me of what they used to say. That's amazing that you said that. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today, Bidu. This is your final opportunity. Let the guests and, and listeners know what you've been doing, what you've got going on, what to look out for. Obviously, tell them about uh, this weekend and absolutely um, anything that you've got going on. It's your opportunity to plug. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. Look, first of all, look, guys, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. You know, it's been a pleasure talking to you oh, and it's been so awesome. relaxed. Mm. Uh, it's, such, it's not like an interview, but this has just been a conversation and it's been very easy to talk to you guys. And, and I felt that, you know, certain things that I've said today, I've never, ever mentioned, you know, uh, and they've just That's come out. Word. So yeah. no, no, thank you so much guys. Right. So this is, uh, you know, so this is a great opportunity for that. And obviously in the future coming near coming future, we, there's a few tracks that we are working on. Um, there's always tracks we're working on, but there's always the one, you know, we, what we feel that the, is appropriate for the right time is the one that we're going to release. So there's a few tracks that we are getting together. We're just getting the vocals, just finalised and all that. That is it, really. Uh, besides that, all the all our shows have been cancelled, so I can't be telling you about any of our shows <laughs> yeah. and uh, and all that. So, and I won't be, be flying off to India and doing anything like exciting there no, <laughs> at no. the moment either. <laughs> but um, you know, the main thing is that we're all keeping safe, and um, you know, obviously, we all have to for all our safety and safety of others, we have to abide by the rules, which are very important. You know, that we have mm. to do, you know, a lot of people are getting frustrated and they don't want to wear their masks and they don't want to do this. And it's understandable. We are, you know, everybody's, it's been a roller coaster for everyone, but, you know, we have to understand that it's best for everybody else and yourself and for the people that you love that we, you know, follow the rules. And we just, we just have to go through the time that we are going through, you know, in the best way we can really, in the safest way we can. You know, I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that you're actually the first guest on the show that actually has put out that message regarding what's going on at the moment in the pandemic that we're in. And I, I think Definitely. it's a, a good message as well that you've got to continue wear your mask, make sure you're washing your hands, sanitize. Yeah. What I keep on telling people is that don't think about the mask, you know, don't think about sanit- I mean, just do it. Just do it. Don't think about it. If you don't yeah. like, oh, I never used to do this before. And just be positive, man. You think about what you're going to do in the, you know, what, what you're planning to do now for next, whatever you're going to be doing in your life or, or, you know, spending time with your kids or your, you know, your family or think about positive things. Don't think about, you know, little, little things that, oh, they're telling me to do this, I have to do that. It's frustrating for everybody, but we have to get through this, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, people, anyway, it, that man. is it, man. I, I don't want to go too much into it, but that is it. <laughs> <laughs> now, once again, Bidu, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. It's been a, a real honour as well. And it's been great talking about this journey and this nostalgia. And also, like we said, t- ripping a page out of history as well. And actually looking at it from that perspective, which hasn't been done up until now. And we're really, really happy to have you and your story on on the show because I think it's it's vital for, for what we're trying to achieve here. Once again, thank you very much and uh, long may your career continue and have yeah, all the success that it has done so far and more. You're welcome, bro. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. The UK is on red alert. As part of our commitment to the British Asian events industry, we're campaigning with We Make Events to help raise vital funds for those who can no longer work as a result of live events being cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. You can help by donating using the link in the description of this podcast because together we can help make events again.